Hi, my name is Krithi. And my name is David, and this is Conversations Recorded. Where we pick a different topic each episode and just talk. All right, we're recording. There we go. Uh, so I was thinking we talk about fear and maybe later pivot to how facts and fear go or don't go together. And I kind of want to hear your take on certain things regarding that subject, mm -hmm. especially given the time we're in. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing that comes to my mind, I wanted to ask you first is like, what are you afraid of? Um, and then what... I think everything kind of stems from the fear of failure for me, like all the other fears. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. what other fears? Well, like just anything, like any of the kind of anxiety that I deal with with whatever it is whether it's work or you know other projects it's all all of that anxiety kind of stems back to like a fear of failure yeah and then i guess like i have a fear of death as well okay you're afraid of dying mm -hmm. and where do you think that comes from also fear of failure no i think that comes from the fact that i'm agnostic in that regard and don't really know what's going to happen the idea of, I mean, yes, to some degree, fear of failure, because there is this, like, what if I reach the end of my life? And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I didn't do everything that I wanted to do. And also kind of the idea that I exist now and in a moment could cease to exist kind of freaks me out. Yeah, I kind of had a similar fear, too, of, like, not doing all that you wanted to do before you leave the earth kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you were to die tomorrow or I were to die tomorrow, like, I'd be like, kind of, oh, well, <laughs> you know, yeah. I hope, I hope that something significant uh, came to fruition from my short life, you know? <laughs> okay, I want to expand on what failure means to you, then, if you're afraid of it so much. What does it mean to you, failure? Well, I mean, I think it's just, like, disappointing people, disappointing myself. I grew up with a lot of pressure to succeed in specific ways and you know to have a career and to kind of have this perfect life especially being the older kid and like the first kid I think a lot of pressure was put on me mm -hmm. so there was and because of that if whenever I failed in anything there was that equal amount of disappointment that came in with it so I think that's definitely a part of it where I don't want to disappoint the people that I care about I think that's most of it and disappoint myself as well but also just like kind of I think for a lot of the projects that I work on it does require a lot of relentless optimism and like failure and failing would be disillusionment failure is disillusionment expand on that well like if i want to become a best-selling novelist and i fail at that right now okay. i'm under the illusion that that could happen but i fail at that and then that kind of destroys that illusion that that is something that i could do mm. and then at work if you fail at a project, what does that mean? Well, I have anxiety. So a lot of times my brain will like will immediately jump to worst case scenario. So my brain would probably immediately be like, oh, you're going to get fired. They're going to realize that, you know, they even hiring you was an accident. And you're like the imposter syndrome kind of kicks in a bit. I think a lot of people we've probably talked about imposter syndrome a lot get that, especially if it's like their first professional job. Mm -hmm. Um I know I felt that at times myself. So if I'm 
if I'm putting words in your mouth, correct me if I'm wrong. But like, it seems like the fear that you're talking about of failure comes from a responsibility that has already been put on yourself and that you've ac accepted or you're bearing that burden. And if you can't meet up to that level of responsibility, you're afraid of that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Do you have a fear of a tangible thing? Spiders? <laughs> I don't like spiders. And You're like not alone, insects in actually. general. Like I don't they insects it's less of a fear. It's more of like a you're just gross and I don't want to deal with you. But with <laughs> spiders it is like an actual fear. Like I just don't. I can't. So I looked you're so you're not the only one who's afraid of spiders because I, not not me personally because you know I'm a big fan of spiders, specifically Spider-Man. But um, when people were asked in a poll of what are they most afraid of the four top answers were snakes spiders heights and being trapped in small spaces so like claustrophobia yeah i have claustrophobia but it's not yeah. that bad it's not like like if i get stuck in an elevator i'm fine where i think like a lot of people have claustrophobia that flares up in situations like that for me it's more of it's I think when I have anxiety, the way it manifests and the way an anxiety attack manifests is my surroundings feel a lot smaller and I immediately want to run away and break away from that. So I think that's kind of where my claustrophobia is. Fear of heights, I don't. I used to be, I used to have a pretty bad fear of heights. I don't think it's as bad anymore. And <laughs> snakes, I think I would be scared of them if I came across them more, but also because I lived in India where snakes are really common. Like in my, where I live, where my parents live in India now, there are like cobras and stuff. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, there are just things that I do instinctively to avoid it. Like even here, even though I know yeah. there probably aren't a lot of snakes around, um, I'll avoid walking on like tall grass because in India you, you're not supposed to walk on like tall grass because that's where snakes Very hide. Yeah, yeah, so things like that that I still do here instinctively because it's just kind of how I was raised and like things that just kind of were ingrained in me. But I don't know that I'm scared of snakes. Like I can see them and not be terrified. I don't think mm -hmm. I could, like, I think poisonous snakes, yes. Like, if I see a cobra, I'm going to be scared. But I'd also probably just, like, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's not the same. Like, with spiders, I have a very visceral reaction, which it's, like, paralyzing almost. Whereas with snakes, I don't. Not like a scream there. reaction? No, I don't scream when I'm scared. I get, par I freeze. You freeze. Okay. Yeah. So I put a, yeah, I have a friend who's, like, terrified of snakes, and she can't even see a photo of a snake without I don't like things that could like that aren't scared of me. I just mean, like if you if you don't want to keep your distance from you, because even with spiders, if they're in a corner on their own, they're chill. It's fine. It's the second that you are in my space that I'm annoyed and I want to run. But you know. what if things not alive? Like, what if you're afraid of like I don't know? Do you, are you afraid of needles or like um, airplanes or something? No, I fly too much to be scared of flying. I am an anxious flyer, but that's not because of any fear associated with flying. It's because normally if I'm jet lagged, depression comes into the picture. I'll feel nauseated. I have pretty bad motion sickness. So that's kind of more of where my anxiety comes from. Not mm -hmm. necessarily from the plane itself. Got it. Okay. Like a couple fears I have. I'm not a big fan 
of scary movies and like blood and needles needles for some reason i, I get on edge i just i can bear i can't really do shots that well not like alcohol but like you know <laughs> blood drawn or um things like that i, I used to um put on my headphones whenever I was getting a shot or blood drawn or something with a needle and like blast through the fire and the flames <laughs> or or some crazy Laura's song on iPod or whatever to not think about it, to distract myself from something that I know is a necessary thing. But to me, I just get hyped or like not hyped, but freaked out about. And another thing I don't like is um, scary movies. I'm like afraid of them. Um, I just like unnecessary for me to watch. Like, I don't know why I need to watch a scary movie, you know? <laughs> the only time I will watch a scary movie, if it if it doesn't have, like, too much blood, like, I just can't handle blood and gore and, like, cutting and blah. And if it's in, like, a social setting and everyone is in on it but me kind of thing. So, like, my favorite scary movie of all time, I think, we, we saw together was uh, A Quiet Place with our group of friends. Mm -hmm. yeah. And... I, w I really liked that movie. The part two is apparently coming out. And like I don't know why I liked it so much. It was maybe because it was in the theater. And we were surrounded by all our friends and we were like hiding in our jackets, you know, like <laughs> um, I was uh, there was the one scary movie that was a Korean film that recently won, I think, an Oscar, right? Um, yes, um, I enjoyed the film until like the very last scene. I just couldn't. It ruined it for me, but I tr I really was like oh this is interesting and it's kind of creepy but it's suspenseful and but the ending just like I couldn't handle it you know so I don't know why I have that fear even though I know things like that probably won't happen or I'll witness in my life but like I just can't handle scary movies <laughs> well I think for me it depends on the fear like I can't handle psychological thrillers because that's just too real it's something uh, that could so very well happen and just the idea of not being in control of yourself terrifies me because obviously with anxiety I'm also a bit control freak and it's just I can't and just being unaware of it slasher movies to me it's mainly just unnecessary like I just don't see the point in it and like mm -hmm. inducing that level of stress I think the reason A Quiet Place was good was because it's it's such a complicated film in terms of genre like it's not just horror there is that message of what it is to be a parent and the mm -hmm. relationship like that, that stuff, kids yeah. have with their father and the right. idea that you would do anything for your family and I think be that kind of distracted from the kind of jump scares that yeah. were there in the film exactly a couple other things on this list of people who uh from this giant poll for uh, what people are afraid of people are afraid of public speaking they're afraid of mice strangers dogs crowds blood needles airplanes darkness fire drowning and so on <laughs> it just it's isn't it interesting too that like most human beings are kind of there is a list where people can all agree that yes this is scary or i'm afraid of this versus some things are like oh that's absurd you know but obviously that typically comes from evolutionary reasons how are you with public speaking i'm okay with it i think because i've done it so often and i did model united nations in high school i I've done too. a lot of public speaking in general because I was so introverted as a kid that teachers kind of pushed me into it. 
And then obviously you get to college and you kind of have to. Fear of public speaking, it's not, it used to, I don't know if it was a fear though. Like for me, fear and anxiety Anxiety are are like very different feelings. And Mm -hmm. so there's never that fear of public speaking. And like there is that adrenaline rush, right? And Mm -hmm. towards the end, I started enjoying that adrenaline rush. Right. So I think that's kind of, but that comes with its exposure therapy, right? You have to do it multiple times and then you're okay. You can handle it. Mm-hmm. Where do you think fear comes from? Why do you think we have fear? It's probably an evolutionary response. Mm-hmm. When I went to therapy before, there was, my therapist was telling me about this brain-based model called SCARF, S-C-A-R-F. So I, it's, I think the author of the paper on it is David Rock. It kind of talks about the five domains of human social, social experience. So that's status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, C-A-R-F, SCARF. Yep, got it. And it kind of, so like one of the foundations of the model is approaching versus avoiding. So you approach a reward, you avoid a threat, which is survival instinct and how like the approach avoid response becomes clear, like how that can affect decision making and problem solving and kind of Mm. the rest of your life. It's interesting because it does talk about how, and I mean, this is something that we all know now, which is that we used to perceive more threats and our brains just haven't really caught up to the fact that those threats don't really exist anymore. Mm -hmm. He basically talks about how like, so for status, for example, potential or real reduction in status can generate a strong threat response. So something like being left out of an activity, right? Mm -hmm. Now we have FOMO, fear of missing out, because it can be linked to social rejection or a drop in status, which is something that's a big component of social interaction and certainty so you know for me a lot of what gives me anxiety is uncertainty and part of that according to the paper is that even a little bit of uncertainty can generate an error response in a part of your brain and that makes you focus on the error so it kind of makes you focus on the uncertainty and you can't focus on anything else until that's resolved so and as the uncertainties get bigger, obviously you're going to spend even more and more time trying to figure out how to fix that uncertainty. And this can get especially debilitating when you don't know how to fix it, when there is no resolution. It's interesting to kind of think about how a lot of it is based on things that, you know, evolutionary, we probably did experience at some point. And now we have our own modern way of having these parts of our brain triggered. But yeah. Um, I would say fears do come from like evolutionary responses. I would say specifically from like physical harm, like protecting yourself, getting like being in captivity or, you know, imprisoned kind of thing. Everyone wants to get that, you know, not to be in confined spaces kind of thing. And uh, probably poison too. You're afraid of getting poisoned. So you're careful of what you eat or careful of your life because that helped the hunters and gatherer society survive. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I still think that even today in modern times, those perceptions of those dangers still trigger us to have fear. And like you said, oh, we haven't really evolved to 
have that fear instinct go away. I would say because there are still elements of fear that are being used to capture our attention and filter what we want to hear or don't want to hear. I would argue that the world seems scarier than it actually is because we hear a lot about the negative things that happen or like the outliers. Oh, you had this plane crash or this attack or this car accident. And not to undermine all those things, but since we want to know about those extremes, because that fear fills our fear instinct. And I think that's why we watch those things is because it's scary. So the reason that we aren't, that we haven't out evolved past this fear since, I would argue that it's possible for us to survive in this world. It's not as hard and to be in small groups and be nomadic. Like you can be more sedentary and establish a base for yourself and, and thrive. For some, it's difficult. What I'm trying to get at is that because it that's that is why the fear is um, still prevalent is because because it's scary and we want to know about those scary crazy incidents well i think a lot of what triggered our fear before when you know we were hunters hunter gatherers or cavemen or whatever were physical threats and now we're dealing with a lot more of feeling emotionally threatened versus physically threatened Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, it's a lot easier to get triggered because mm-hmm. you're not looking for a physical manifestation anymore. Right. Like even the idea of something will scare you. Yeah, I think it's definitely, especially with sensationalism and social media and everything, it's very easy to want to, to get so caught up in it. And kind of not take a breath because you're just trying to stay up to date with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely away from the physical to the more psychological threat, you yeah. could argue. Yeah. But we deal with the physical response, right? So like Correct. for me with yeah. anxiety, I still have a very deep physiological response to it where mm-hmm. I want to get away. I, you know, I start feeling nauseated. My stomach doesn't do so well. I will start shaking sometimes. Like it happens and it's sometimes it's for no reason at all. Sometimes it's for, you know, feeling emotionally threatened. It's uncertainty it's you know feeling left out of something whatever but we still do have physiological responses to it which i think is definitely part of the problem because that's what's exhausting i mean the emotional response is exhausting as well but just like being in it it takes so much energy out of you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think being in fear also doesn't create room for facts that may comfort you in that fear for example like if you're afraid of flying and getting into a plane crash well if i say oh you don't have anything to worry about it's only one in 5.4 million or one in 11 million that you will actually get in a plane crash today you're like well i don't care i'm afraid right now right is the response so i think by being in the state of fear that you kind of don't have room for critical thinking or or any facts or things like that, and it your evolutionary habitual instincts kick in, and you may get that physical response to that fear. 
Yeah, it's flood or fight. Mm-hmm. I think we have a really hard job just we have a really hard time accepting thing being in a situation on a plane where there's turbulence or whatever i'm normally okay i don't unless it's really bad i normally don't freak out over turbulence but i have friends who do and i've flown with friends who do and it's strange because in that moment there's really nothing you can do you just kind of have to accept yeah yeah, the plane's going through something right now yeah and i mean everything is a risk yeah and like everything is a risk and i think you kind of have to accept risk right otherwise Mm -hmm. you would never leave your house and that's kind of when exposure therapy kind of comes into play where like for me because one of the things that would give me anxiety is like not having some sort of schedule or like kind of being predictable to some not being predictable to some degree that would give me anxiety so even something as simple as leaving the house five minutes later than I normally would and realizing Mm -hmm. that the world doesn't end. That is exposure therapy. That's like easing into, oh, I can be a little easier on myself. Right, just like with public speaking if you expose yourself. Yeah, but it's also like people are going to be scared of things. Sometimes you grow out of it, sometimes you don't. I think you really have to figure out your own way of coping with it and dealing with it for your own sake, just because you shouldn't have to deal with that all the time yeah i think that's important to kind of put it on the individual saying look these approaches might have worked for other people to exposure therapy for example or you know learning a fact (laughs) which probably won't but looking inward to influence your outward response will will help yeah i looked up uh for that plane crash statistic Mm -hmm. apparently you are more likely to be struck by lightning or get attacked by a shark than you are to die in a plane crash. Well, die in a plane crash, not Correct. be in a plane. Be in a plane crash. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what that stat, stat is. <laughs> you're feed, you're feeding like, into the people who are afraid of plane of uh, flying. They're like, no, well, yeah. that's dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm still going to crash and I'm freaking <laughs> out. <laughs> no, you have to. Like, I think, isn't there that stat that you're more likely to like be in a car accident than be in a plane crash? Like it's safer to fly also... than to be in a car. I think. But again, it's like facts don't always help. And I think facts are kind of yeah. you run into the danger of minimizing how the person's feeling, which is kind of where I I stop really knowing how to handle it because obviously us facts help. But mm-hmm. for me what helps is just imagining the worst case scenario. And mm-hmm. then looking at the worst case scenario, is it something that I have control over and something that I could handle if needed? Or is it something that I like don't have control over and like can't do anything about? And if it's either one of those scenarios, then I kind of just choose, not choose not to, but it kind of calms me down. And it's like, okay, well, worst case scenario, I can either handle it or it's just something that, you know, I have to accept could happen. and that makes it a little easier. There might still be some level of anxiety, but it's not debilitating. It's not that bad. So that helps me, but it's different for everyone. And you have to like figure out sometimes it's distracting yourself. Sometimes it's, you know, just like it really depends on the person. I also run into that too. Like where you say you draw the line of like, are you afraid of minimizing that person's fear? Mm-hmm. And like typically distraction is the tactic I use when someone's afraid 
and I don't want to minimize their fear, try to get them to talk about something else. Or But then it doesn't address the issue. It's uh, kind of like an individual journey. I know, like, um, I watched this interesting video, I think, by, I forget, was it Will Smith? He went skydiving, and he was, like, so afraid. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, this was, like, but the point of, the maximum fear was the point of, max of like, sheer bliss, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, that was, like, right when I jumped off the plane, and that was exhilarating, you know? But he was so yeah. afraid, like, for the days before, or whatever. Right, yeah. Um, well, because at that point, when you're on the edge... It's like, well, now I, I've committed. Like, I yeah. <laughs> nothing else I can do. So then you kind of reach that point of acceptance. Right. You're forced to. Yeah. <laughs> but have you ever been skydiving? No. Yeah. Have you? I uh, No, I haven't. But I almost did a couple times, maybe two or three times. Yeah. Another thing that uh, really helps me when there's just like a looming sense of fear that I might be experiencing or other people might be experiencing uh, the best advice I give is this, or I, what I try to practice, is don't make a lot of decisions until the panic has gone away. Just kind of like, yeah, chill, you know. Yeah, that's what I do too. Cause I have a habit of making really rash decisions when I'm anxious, so I've kind mm-hmm. of stopped doing that and just, just like. If it's if I'm in a situation where I can't do anything about it, then I'll move to distracting myself, thinking about something else. Um, it really depends. I like I'm either distracting myself or accepting it and moving on. It's just yeah. it really depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. And you can prepare for it. For me, when I'm traveling and I know I'm going to be jet lagged, which means I'll probably deal with symptoms of depression for a couple days and I'll be anxious for a couple days my stomach might not do too well things like that if I know that that's going to happen I'll prepare for it prepare for it in advance and you know make sure that I have I have motion sickness wristbands which help me some people prefer the pill it's you know whatever whatever makes Mm. you feel better And then I'll, if I'm going home, it's not as bad. It's normally if I'm traveling back, in which case, you know, I'll try to, before I leave, make sure that I have things that'll bring me comfort when I get back. I'll make sure I'll have my priorities set. So I'll, I'll have like the bare minimum that I need to do and I'll push myself to do. And after that, if I don't feel like doing anything, I don't feel like doing anything. That's fine. So things like that, Mm -hmm. where you do have to, I just like emotionally and mentally prepare myself for what's about to happen because the fighting makes it all worse if you're trying to fight right. it and be like oh like why is this happening to me i wish this didn't i wish i didn't feel like this then it's just gonna make it all worse right that never never helps <laughs> so just don't res- don't react when you're in fear i guess you know and i feel like that's that advice or that recognition of making few decisions as possible until panic has gone down is pretty spot on right now 